This week's episode of Cars Coffee Theology is sponsored by the Center for Hebraic Thought, where our guest this episode, Dr. Drew Johnson, is the director. The CHT is an academic center at the King's College in New York City, and it's a hub and community for research, resources, and conversations about biblical literacy and the intellectual world of the Bible. They're committed to elevating biblical thought in the church and the academy. The CHT seeks to help both scholars and the public alike tune in to what the prophets were contending about the nature of reality and our place within it. To learn more about the CHT, go to www.hebraicthought.org and subscribe to their podcast and newsletter. For this episode, it was great to have my dear friend Drew Johnson on the show in town from the King's College in New York City. We had a wide-ranging conversation about all kinds of things, including Drew's great book, Human Rights. So glad you're here, and you are the only person so far who's ever been on the show twice. Oh, Granted, yes. your first appearance was not a real episode. It's a cheat. Uh, you know, we didn't go through the normal stuff. We weren't here yeah. in town, and uh, but with Aaron, which was, was still but, a lot of fun. Yeah, but we got to riff off Aaron and her yes. clarinet. And yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh crap, she's gonna kill us, she what was, is it? She's a trumpet player, but I kept teasing her that she played trombone. <laughs> oh yes, and I remember yeah. I said, I like the T-bone, the and then T-bone, she said, yeah. did you really just say yeah. T-bone? I remember yes. I still scarred by that, yes. my therapist, <laughs> and I talked about that a lot. Yeah. Anyways, you are, so this is the first person who's been on here twice, this is the first official time, but you know the drill, first car. That's my first question, always. Oh yes, first car. Uh, mine was easy, I was in the Air Force, and for $2,000, I bought a 1984 Ford Ranger pickup truck. Okay. Matte black <laughs> with a camper shell on the back. Okay. So right. That's kind of a smaller pickup. It, it is. Ford it's Ranger. very yeah, small. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. But that thing got good gas mileage. Yeah, but it's it a did. stick. Um, Fun. Five speed. Yeah, and you could take it in and out of anything. Like it, because if it was light, it didn't get stuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was great, and it could haul plenty enough. I mean, it wasn't going to haul a load of rock, but it could it could haul things to the um, you know Home Depot and back. Yeah, yeah. Well, they didn't have Home Depot back then. But, right. But something like a Home Depot. Home Depot is amazing. It, it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I try I was, not to go in there because I just end up buying things that, I, that I'm never going to do. Start, starting projects. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's still what I do. Yeah. I've started many a Home yes. Depot-inspired project. But I was, I was thinking the other day about how, what did people do? I guess you had the local hardware store. You went to Ace or, yeah. Which was good and fine i'm all for local business but man the, the you didn't have the potential to do stuff no. i guess you had a lumber yard too you lumber, had two different kind of things. lumber yeah, yeah, yeah. For, i grew up it was a local lumber yard yeah, yeah. and then the coast to coast hardware in fact that was my first job you ever heard of coast to coast yeah. it's, it's defunct now but it was a hardware chain huh. and uh started at age 13 that was my first job but yeah. but hardware store and lumber yard but it still doesn't feel the same like the kind of stuff you can do when you go to home depot you're like i could do that well, i could <laughs> i could transform my backyard this into is, a magical um, unicorn Kingdom or whatever. This is exactly what um, Michael Pollan, the guy who wrote the Omnivore's Dilemma and yeah, he, yeah. D- does all this food stuff, he says uh, Whole Foods doesn't sell food, they sell narratives. Nice. And I feel like Home Depot sells narratives Ouch. as well. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that I've been deceived. <laughs> no, no, you're not I deceived. Should. I should. Well, when you come to my house tonight, you'll see it's a house of half finished project. <laughs> You've been well habituated. Right. <laughs> you ended up at St. Andrews. Yep. Um, Tell me a little bit about that, what what you studied there and how that led from there to now. Yeah, so um, I actually ended up at St. Andrews 
uh, because I met Alan Torrance. I was at Oxford giving a paper in philosophy, actually, at the British yeah. Society of Reli Philosophy of Religion. And I had a friend up at St. Andrews, and he said, you gotta, you know, I said, can I come visit? Came up, and uh, he said, you gotta meet this guy named Alan Torrance. He talks about epistemology like you do. Uh, didn't know who Alan Torrance was. Mm -hmm. Looked him up a little bit, but um, so we sat down and had coffee. Very uh, lively guy, obviously. Very lively, yeah. and the whole. And I thought we were going to talk, and I was kind of there to figure out what he thinks about things because he's the St. Andrews professor, and um, and he just was hammering me with questions. Well, what do you do with this? What do you do with Ronner's, you know, uh, view of transcendent human, and uh, like, and I guess I had decent enough answers for every question he asked me, because at the end he said, "Well, um, I want you to come." Uh, do a PhD with me here in St. Andrews. I mean, were you looking for a PhD program at that point? No, I, I had thought about it, but honestly, we the idea of moving even uh, into another state was pretty daunting for me and my wife um, at that point in our lives. And so... What were you doing? Were you... I was a pastor. Ah, so okay, that's I was right, in my yeah. sixth or seventh year of pastoring at uh, that point. I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay, EPC? Uh, PCA? No, uh, non-denominational charismatic. Ah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, that part of your story I didn't know. Yes, okay. I am now ordained in the right. uh, Evangelical Presbyterian okay. Church. Um, right. Yeah, so I walked, fortunately my Scottish friend was in that discussion because I walked out and I thought, well, that was really interesting and that was really kind of him to suggest that I might be able to come. Right. And, you know, my Scottish friend who was doing his PhD, he said, he, you just got into the program. Right, like, that right. was it. That's like, how it works. That's in how the, it works in the UK. Yeah, like, that's what? Right. So, um, yeah, I went home and told my wife, and said, you're not going to believe it. I just had this experience. And and what after a while say? of prayer, she's like, I think we should think about it. I think we should, like, pray about this. Awesome. And I was expecting her to go, no way, Jose. Right, right. And my elders, we had been praying Does about she call you Jose, usually? Uh, or Jose B. Okay. Uh, yeah, one of Just depending two. on the yep. situation. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah, um, a year and a half later, we ended up in St. Andrews. Hey, Siri. Oh. Give me a random number between... One and one thirty-four. <laughs> oh my! Hold on. So, two things you should know. A. I wrote my master's thesis in analytic philosophy on randomness. Okay. B. Didn't know that. Daniel Trier just asked me to write a response paper on the topic of randomness in theology. Okay. Yeah. That's not why I was doing that. So but that's, that's good to know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus I do always wonder with. Shuffling music or right, anything? Right. Are they? Re is it no. really random? I think shuffling is not even close to random. I I've been thinking about that. Do you yeah. think it is? Do you think they're because it seems like there are things that I never hear and there are things I hear because I'm a kind of shuffle music listener. Like, oh so yeah, I, me too. I have this me too. Huge just, amount of yep. music, and I I almost always enjoy listening on it's shuffle because we like the radio, or you just don't know what's going to come on next, right? We were but raised. it's more random than that because oh, I, I, I could have Box Magnificat followed by Taylor Swift followed by Coltrane. Yep. I, that's what I really. It's more than the radio. Yep. You know? it's more random so anyways okay so well what i like to do as you probably recall yes. take this out and you got page two so there better be some thesis crap pretty close to that in there no, so anyways there's not. this just is a this is like page six two. books <laughs> removed from my thesis no what i mean is thesis of this book oh as opposed to some random Where, mid how far how far down any, are I supposed to, uh, any paragraph from page two oh <laughs> my eyes went immediately to this sentence okay let's hear it kissing my wife <laughs> Uh, when, Pray tell. Okay, well, I'll start at the beginning of the paragraph. Uh, when I when I undertook this exercise in understanding, I saw everything I did in a different light. Kissing my wife goodbye every morning took on a new meaning when I realized that it was a ritual with a goal. Morning workouts became intellectual journeys. We were just talking about yep. that. 
I could see how my pre-programmed reactions to the triumphs and foolishness of my kids held them captive to it. Uh, that became a grid through which we processed the world together. When I realized how my embodied life shaped me intellectually, emotionally, and communally, I reevaluated everything that I did with my body, which means exactly that. I reevaluated everything that I did. Okay. So can yeah. you was not horribly crafted. Put that so we're talking about the book Human Rights, um, which is great. Um, and and really does reflect you know, kind of a working up, we're joking before about throat clearing, but obviously yeah. you have been doing a lot of things to get to this point. Yes. And I want to talk more about the transition from academic to trade as well. But what do you mean by that paragraph? And then maybe you can then talk about, if you were to sum up this book in a thesis, yeah. what's your PowerPoint? Of the world is all about who can get whom to do what with their bodies. It basically boils down to that. Not to be a Marxist in any way, but right. Marketing companies um, and companies that are selling anything, internet, smartphone, even the church has kind of bought into this. Yeah. Um, and the church has to, right? Because mm -hmm. the, the, the gospel is about getting people to do things with their bodies, right? Yeah. Um, that's part or of it. Or not do things. Yeah, or not. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Uh, and the flip side to that is that what we do with our bodies, and especially things that we habituate with our uh, bodies, that we can call them rituals or habits or whatever we want, they shape the way we see the world. They shape the way we understand things. And so, and that's a dynamic relationship. Yeah. Uh, what we un understand sometimes causes us to do things. What we then do causes us to re-understand yes. or something like that, right? So that's the, the basic premise of getting the church. It's written, they asked me to write it for Christians and non-Christians, anybody who's sympathetic to the Judeo-Christian yeah. world. And so, uh, where are you taking me? Are we? Are you going to bury um, me over this here? Is, this is the end. <laughs> the vehicle um, impoundment unit. Actually, oh, I missed my turn. <laughs> actually, I missed my okay, turn. Okay. Uh, yeah, cement. Is, is cement a bad <laughs> yeah. thing from a New York perspective? I'm from New actually, Jersey. Like, like, you take me to a vehicle impoundment and a Holy cement crap. yard? Like, you're uh, going to okay. kill me, aren't you? I actually, I did miss my this turn. Uh, yeah, so this is the end. The last episode. Um, <laughs> it's not my car. Who cares? Actually, no, this will work. Ah, oh, right. I see where we're going. I was wanted. Okay, so we are. You know, we're big soccer fans, and we we have the two-time champion USL, which is the level where I build MLS soccer yeah, team. Yeah. We're building a stadium. I, so I was going to drive. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's yeah, beautiful. So we're, and so we're all doing these things. I mean, sacraments, I, I think, are the at the extreme, but all of the rituals that we're doing every day, from kissing my wife, workouts, um, classroom. A classroom is nothing but a set of rituals. I want you to sit there during this time. I want you to write in a certain way. I want you to write certain things. I want you to read things. You're, you're actually scripting out all kinds of rituals. Writing limericks about the Bible. <laughs> Writing limericks about the Bible. Yeah, you read that part. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's basically trying to get the church woke, if I can, to the issue that you don't, you don't like Protestants can sometimes, I've had people say to me, like, I'm not into rituals. And right, I'm like, right. no, you're doing them constantly. Right, right. Um, they've already been written out for you. The, um, the and every title, church has a liturgy, even if you say you're not. Oh yeah, I mean, I was a pastor at a non-denominational right. charismatic church. I could set my watch by certain prophecies, right? Yep, I mean, right. They would say, the, the same people that tell me we don't have a liturgy, you right, know, are right. doing things in very rhythmic ways. All right, so we're going to quill. Oh, this is the this is the quill. famous quill. Yeah, yeah. So I've, we were just drinking Sunergas in my office, but quills is okay. excellent as well. I I write quite a bit here instead of here. I've seen You've this seen place this? in the movies. That's right. This episode of Cars Coffee Theology is sponsored by our friends at the Center for Hebraic Thought at the King's College. The Center provides great resources for developing scholars with contributions by a world-renowned group of academic fellows. 
The fellows currently include Rabbi Dr. Joshua Berman, Dr. Jeffrey P. Garcia, Reverend Dr. Peter Lightheart, Reverend Dr. Ryan O'Dowd, Dr. Jeremiah Unterman, Dr. Shiravis, and yours truly. Visit www.hebraicthought.org to learn more and subscribe to the CHT's podcast and newsletter. Well, on page 16 and 17, you say what I thought was... I can't wait to hear what I said on page 16 <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to tell you. No, you, it's, you already basically said it, that, um, which I think is crucial to your books, if you agree, and I think also just really one of the most important ideas, and that is that rituals don't just reflect what we think. They actually shape us yeah. as well. Yeah, we, and that seems to be at the core of your book, right? That, that is, yeah. and that comes from my prior monograph on ritual... Uh, epistemology and scripture and knowledge by ritual and um, that was a actually it was by reading an anthropologist um, Mm -hmm. she she woke me up to this idea that um, there's this inner outer dichotomy in all of our talk about ritual Mm -hmm. anybody sometimes any anytime somebody's talking strongly about the symbolism of ritual they're usually presuming this inner outer dichotomy where the real us is down deep inside And we express it out on the stage of our bodies yeah. and the stage of the rituals, and which isn't. I would. I would say. See what you. I would say that that's not. That's actually, not incorrect. That's not Andrew. No, it's just not the whole reality. Yeah, it's only right. half the reality, right? right. right? Um, yeah, is that is that the outer uh, shapes the inner as well? Yeah. Um, okay, so, so we that, see it as a one-way flow. Um, and I, I would point out, this has cost the church quite a bit of credibility. I agree. So how so? What would um, you say? Well, I mean, there have been sectors, especially when it comes to sexual identity, that have said, okay, my church has taught me my whole life that the real me is my soul mm-hmm. deep down in me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all this other stuff doesn't really matter as long as the real me is authentic and true. Mm-hmm. Well, the real me is not a man. Mm-hmm. You know, the real me is mm-hmm. this other thing, right? Uh, and Charles Taylor's authentic age. It, exactly. Right yeah. And so it's very <clears throat> difficult if that is your paradigm to, to tell people why that's, you know, what you just end up stutter stepping all over scripture yeah. trying to make these points. But, okay, so l- l- let me push yeah. into this a little bit, kind of connect it, especially to our Protestant heritage. This, for me, over the last you know ten years or whatever, of kind of discovering virtue ethics mm. and and trying to understand and live that with other Protestant commitments that has not been strong on a virtue ethics approach. That's right. not something we right. talk about, but especially this way of thinking that. Uh, to say it in these ways that the it's not only that we do who we are which is a very protestant idea we are in christ or we are born of the spirit or whatever and then we bear that fruit but also as we do so we become yes and i feel i feel like that's the part that especially in the protestant heritage at least my experience of it in various versions we just don't have a grammar for that and we don't have a, a an experience well we have an experience of it that's the reality but we don't have a way to connect that theologically yes that because then the only categories we have are that's legalism or something right if you (laughs) which is a common reaction yeah so if i just do this then i'm okay with god i'm like right yeah i I just process that from so you're coming out from ritual i've come out from a virtue yeah which is a very ritual you know kind of thing but how do you process that as a protestant and how do you talk about this ironically it was this um catherine bell this anthropologist who there's one sentence when i read it it all it all clicked is that um you know and she's not uh she's not religious she's coming from an anthropological perspective but she says you know that kneeling doesn't represent penitence in the person who kneels. Uh, kneeling in some way, or it doesn't merely represent yeah, yeah. penitence. Right, right. Kneeling makes penitence in the yeah, kneeler, right? Yeah. It actually shapes the yep, person into yep, a kind yep. of person. Yeah, um, That's good. And 
so when how do you I look think? at scripture, yeah. like this is all over scripture and, and it's, it's coded. The reason why I came at it, why I call it um, knowledge by ritual is because when you look at how scripture deals with these same issues, it's do this in order that you might know. Um, and the, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's all over scripture uh, from, I mean, the Garden of Eden, eat this yep. and you yep. will know this thing, right? Yep. Which is the wrong way yep. of it, but yep. if there's a wrong way, then there's a right but way as well. I mean, you argue this in scriptures knowing. Oh yeah, yeah, do this in order that you might know. Right. Uh, in scripture too, do this that you might, in, in remembrance of me. And of yeah. course, anybody who knows uh, the Deuteronomic literature, that uh, when he says remembrance, he's talk, he means know, understand, grasp, integrate history correctly. Mm-hmm. Remember doesn't mean have a mental event called, mm-hmm. oh, I remember mm-hmm. the good old days mm-hmm. of Jesus. So this is the theology of scripture. Um, and I think, when uh, I think you know, I'm I'm a good Presbyterian enough to say like uh, prevenient grace, common grace, grace, grace goes before, grace surrounds, right, right, uh, and the operative work of the Holy Spirit. Yep, absolutely. Uh, reducing this merely to a list of to dos that makes somebody righteous seems completely implausible, right. which un, which completely makes sense of everything Paul says. Yep. Where right, he's yeah. and Jesus as well. Um, where people are trying to reduce this to a, a to-do list in order to become righteous. And I feel like we've reduced it on the other side. Yep, we flipped, you know, we flipped the script yep. and thought we were safe. Well, that, that's been a big ongoing thing for me to figure out. And I feel like I have figured out ways to talk as a good Protestant about virtue ethics. Yeah. But yeah. it's, you know, I was up at Notre Dame a couple months ago, <clears throat> excuse me, and what really struck me there was that I was with all these Catholic moral theologians. Mm. They're all Thomistic scholars, of yeah, course, like Sir Matt Levering. And, oh, yeah, and yeah, all, yeah. He was yeah. there, but also um, Bill Madison at Notre Dame and these other people. I was like, wow, they have a, a whole thousand-year discussion right. and grammar and way of talking and wrestling with all these things that we've just, like, missed. <laughs> it was just, like, it yeah. was embarrassing. Yeah. You know, I felt like I don't even know what they're... I mean, I There's can, some good that, to missing that. Yeah, some of it, <laughs> I, admit, some of it I think very worth missing. Keep, keep yeah. my Protestant card yeah. renewed. But, but, uh, I, but I'm just saying I was just struck by how we have... By not being part of that conversation, yeah. we have lost some resources to wrestle with the biblical witness yeah. that holds together both of these realities that we do as we are and we become as we do. Could you put human rights into conversation with um, You Are What You Love, Desire in the Kingdom, Imagine the Kingdom, Jamie Smith? Uh, just, yeah. I know you and I have talked about this some, but good to just kind of talk There's about a lot it. of overlap. Uh, I, yeah, I, I wrote my um, monograph on ritual, um, and then I came home and read Desire in the Kingdom, uh-huh. and I was like, well, oh crap. Yeah, right, right, right. Because <laughs> so he's so fun to read, too. He's so stimulating, yeah. you know. And, and, and even citing some of the exact same philosophers yeah. uh, uh, in some discrete work. We were both citing it, um, but he just published it a few years before me, and I, I just wasn't aware of it for whatever reason. I, I had my head in the sand. I was in Israel. They don't read that stuff right, in Israel. Right. Um, and uh, so I think there's a lot of conviviality between our work. Um, I think I would probably separate from him on the Augustinian front. Uh, so. And and same thing with virtue ethics. I think the good thing about virtue ethics is the idea of the external action reorders the internal soul, right. but it's still um, it's still a little too in- individualistic ah. uh, ordered for me. I, huh. I think liturgies is also we've think, never talked about that. Oh no, we haven't. Um, You've been just holding off until this moment, and you can just like. <laughs> well, I've actually brought some people with me. It's an intervention. <laughs> the pop up. Yeah, banner comes down. <laughs> the. Uh, 
I think also Jamie Smith is a, a philosopher, so he's not doing biblical theology, yep, yep. which you cannot fault him for. No. Um, so part of the, I think what I contribute to uh, Jamie's work is um, I provide a very round biblical yeah, theology yeah. that supports a lot right, of things right. he's saying. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah I would see us as mutually inclusive on most fronts, maybe dividing on a few of them. I think liturgies doesn't do enough work. That's why I went to rituals instead. Um, Interesting. Hmm. And I don't, from reading some You Are What You Love and some later stuff that he's been posting, um, I probably don't think Sunday is as important as he does. Interesting. So, yeah, he goes through the whole liturgy. The, yeah, yeah I, I, I probably would just say, especially actually the work on neurology and trauma and some other things about, and, and working with kids with trauma, um, I'm starting to put a little bit more import in the the day to day, the work a day life of the Christian ministry, that comes to fullness on Sunday, which I know he would agree yeah, with as right, well. Right, right. But um, we may not differ. But from what I've read, so just I, to take away, you, yeah. going to church is not as important. No, you, you don't. Just do, I right. mean, it's optional. Okay, just want to. <laughs> I mean, it's what the alarm clock's doing on Sunday. That's whether you go to. Actually, it was from Baptist that I learned about. Um, I asked somebody. One of my wife's friends from high school, are you, where are you guys going to church? He goes, Bedside Baptist. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I had no idea. Kind of just slid it in there. I didn't right. realize that was a thing. Right. Now, I came out of the charismatic non-denominational tradition. You don't, it's not a choice whether you go three times a week. Right, right. You go Wednesday night, Sunday totally. morning, Sunday night. So. I thought the forward was probably the strongest part of the book. <laughs> just kidding. Actually, I That's realized you say that. I read right. that forward and I was like, "Oh, why did I even write this book?" He said it all. No, in three I've never pages. read the forward because I realized when I went to read it again yesterday, I have the advanced reading copy. Oh, it doesn't have the forward. And it doesn't have the forward. So I and no one ever sent me the full. I blurbed the thing. Where's yeah. my? Well, you didn't even use my blurb. I see how you are. No, no, no the, the, your blurb is on the actual copy. This oh, is not, okay. This is not what. The well, final I didn't. Copy looks I don't like. have. I didn't get a final copy for some reason. So I don't yeah, know what ever. the forward was. But I guess probably my main takeaway is that I was really wondering who, do you know who that is? We're not going to talk about the cover on who, this book. <laughs> no, I like it. Who is the A? Like, what is this? My main takeaway dude, was he's I, a total A. <laughs> what, do you know him? Is this a friend of yours? I really. Kids? I, that was my main concern. Uh, okay. Uh, you can choose whether you want to put this on or not. <laughs> you know that authors don't get to choose the title of the book totally. or the cover, yeah, right? That's, right? That's and a lot of times not the title totally. Yeah, yeah, right yeah that's now. that's the marketing department yep, that really yep, has control yep. there. They sent me the, the first cover, and I've never balked at a cover before. I'm like, yeah, it looks great. Oh, this isn't the first? Oh, no. The first one, I just flat out said, if you put that cover on that book, I'm going to make fun of it every time I talk about it. So pray tell. Can you send us a picture of it and we'll show it? It's like we someone can, we can show it. It's like show. a soft focus. Somebody holding a loaf of bread with cursive letters, human Ouch. rights. Oh yeah. my goodness! Like girly. Wow. Sorry, no offense, no, girly yeah. cursive. But we like girls. Written written by a, a no very nice to cursive hand. writers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, oh, I'm glad. No, this isn't. Yeah. This isn't bad. My my son saw the original uh, cover they sent on my computer. He goes, "Is it a cookbook?" And, uh, <laughs> So I, that is awesome. I said, uh, yes. I said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. It's actually, my my writing is snarky. Someone's going to pick that up thinking oh, it's yeah. going to be like, like an Ann Voskamp yeah, book. Right, right. And they're going to read it and go, what hug. the heck is this? Yeah. Right, yeah. So I had to make a market-driven argument. Like, you're going to have bad reviews on Amazon because yeah, people yeah. are going to say it's a bait and switch. Yeah, yeah. And they said, okay, great. Um, what, do you suggest something? And I said, well, let me. I know this guy. <laughs> he, he makes an incredible no, A. I, <laughs> with those <I> legs. <laughs> I said, uh, <laughs> no, I said, let me mock something up. So I like to think about covers. Did you make this up? So I mocked something very much That's like awesome, this. That's awesome, man. Impressive. Yeah, but I sent it to them thinking like, 
here's something to fire up the imagination yeah, of the yeah. actual then designer. Then real people do it. Yeah, right, and, yeah, and have real people do it. And they sent me back uh, the final, and it, and it was basically what I sent them. So how was, many books was, have you done? Are you now their book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and I was just sitting there, and then I and then I came up with an even better idea, like a really that actually one that I was I still in fact I often in slideshows I still slip my cover. Dude, send it to me so we can show it to you. Which I which I think is is not show it to you, show it to slightly better. And um, and then they said they said oh wait all people doing letters. (laughs) They said they said oh yeah we like that too, but we're gonna go with this one. And then I was locked in. So. All you authors out there, be very careful. So you do you do cover my next book? Totally. Okay, a couple other. Um, <laughs> why do you refer to Stephanie as your first wife in the resurrection? Can you tell? <laughs> you actually read the book, or you read the first page of the book. I have a defense of when Jesus says um, to the Sadducees, "They ni- neither marry nor give yeah, in marriage." Yeah, my wife hates that. That that he clearly doesn't mean that. I have I have an exegetical argument that shows very patently that he does not mean it. That this is actually stock language that's being used to mean something else. Like all New Testament scholars, I'm just trying to tell you. Jesus does not mean right, he right. clearly <laughs> seems to be saying right. Thank you. Um, Thank goodness for New Testament yeah. scholarship. But I think any any ancient reader would have seen that as oh, well. Come on. Um, when I introduce her, I often call her my first wife. And um, wait, but how does that connect? What do you um, because There'll be she, another wife. When I, when I explained to her when we had this conversation, someone I, actually a theologian told me he believed marriage was eradicated in the resurrection. Okay. And based on that verse alone, yeah. and I was like, wait, wait, wait. You think the creational institution of marriage is just wiped out because Jesus is flippantly making fun of some people who don't believe in the resurrection? Uh, and that got me started thinking about it. And I did a little more study. I'll have to see. I've actually never studied that verse really. Uh, I, I, will, I will convince you. Uh, okay. Hopefully. Or okay. maybe you'll show me. I'm we'll show a link and it. post yes. it. Is that posted anywhere? We'll, no, we'll it's going to be in this new book coming out. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. Because I think it's important. Uh, it's a, an important issue, and it's important. It reveals your exegetical hand. Okay, so one other... I noticed that you, uh, in talking about yoga, uh-huh. that mentioned that actually what we think of yoga yep. is this early 20th century Americanized version of it. It's not even Americanized. It was invented by an American, a white woman in upstate okay, New York. Okay, named... Eugenia, Eugenia <laughs> Peterson. Yes. And I could not help but wonder if you think there's Jordan. a connection with no oh. Eugene Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> Was you know he, what? Is he the son you, of I, the yoga? I mean, just think about his books. You know, not even the translation. Uh, un, under the unpredictable plant. Have you read that one? Uh, I haven't, I, but I wonder it if is. it's all He's like about a guru. yoga. Yeah, he's the guru of it's spiritual all, formation. It's all yoga. So I didn't know if you had made that connection. You notice in this book that yeah, I'm I'm Debbie I got Downer. a lot out of the book. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Debbie Downer. I like to spoil any myth. Totally. Yeah. Elevator buttons don't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 TED was, talks was, are a sham. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that was another one that okay. I was... So as far as you know, Eugenia, Eugenia Peterson and Eugene Peterson are not connected. Well, uh, just to, be, to go on the to record. To be fair, the name she identifies with is Indra, uh, Indra Veda something. So, oh, okay. You know, they went back to these yogis in, in India and said, oh, you know, down dog or whatever. And they're like, we've never, we've never seen these before. <laughs> <laughs> the upward, what's it called? I do those exercises. Downward dog. Downward dog. Yeah, yeah. down dog is what you yell when you're... <laughs> Dog is I was saying, what yoga are you doing? Yeah. I, I learned Actually, yoga. I got it from. I, I, I learned it from Wii Fit. 
<laughs> well, I was gonna say mine's from T25, Sean T, like the same guy who does P90 or uh, does Insanity. I, so that's how I learned the downward dog from doing those like exercise routines, not yoga at all. He's like yelling. Everything at you. you said, I don't know. If Did you get any of that? I don't know if you're telling me ministry names or. <laughs> T25 is it the sounds, sounds like ministry, ex- right? Exercise. Where do you go to church? T25. <laughs> they have a play. Kingdom and Overpowers. Yeah, right. we have all kinds of so, funny church names in our narrative. I'm sure you do. Well, it's a great book, man. And uh, what are you working on next? Like, well, the Center for Hebraic Thought. Which Center is for Hebraic Thought, which is a huge. It's like starting a small business, um, but it's been wonderful. And to see all these scholars kind of hear about it and get excited mm-hmm. about it makes me think that I'm not crazy, which is good. All right. Well, uh, do I get to ask you questions? Uh, oh no, no you. Yeah. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, I'm in, I'm driving this car oh, okay. metaphorically. I literally. feel like we have seen all of Louisville. Uh, I'm giving you a little. You know, this is Bardstown Road. This is kind of the hipster. Oh, part. I can tell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm giving you a little bit of. I appreciate bit of taste. it. Yeah. I appreciate it. So choose an envelope and. Uh, Blue is my favorite color. Great. Well, would you call that blue or lavender? Uh, Oh boy, not lavender. I would okay. call that a royal. Wow, it's kind of purplish. It's blue, almost isn't it? purplish yeah. in the sun. Yeah. All right, so you'll answer this question, then I'll answer it as well. All right. Who wrote these questions? I got them randomly from like a book of questions. Oh, put them in there. Oh, we God. might we might start getting some repeats. I don't, I don't know you? if we can do this. <laughs> oh, that's a good in one. one I was kind of hoping you'd have that. How would you describe your <laughs> relationship Knowing your story, with your mother? I would describe really. That, that one's going pretty deep. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, what did I say in one sentence? In one okay. sentence. There's okay. no possible yes, way. Yes, there is. You can always bring it down, man. Um, uh, I bet you can bring it down. Mine was, uh, my relationship with, I'll do it in a historical sent, a sentence. Okay. It's kind of a traumatic mess. Uh, turned delightfully redemptive through the power of dementia. Wow. Hey, yeah. that's a great sentence. If, you if, should write a novel. If God had not let my mom suffer from dementia, I don't know where our, our relationship mm. would be. And is she still living? She is, and her dementia is pretty bad now, but um, we've actually gotten very close uh, because of it. Not in all cases, but in some cases, Dementia is actually a relief from the mm. traumas of your life. Mm. I mean, mm. my mom no longer remembers mm. the abuse that's of her childhood. She yeah. no longer she she actually only remembers the good parts of her life. Wow. Well, that's and it's a real been, blessing. And she's become a different person because of it. Like you realize, she's, it's almost like she's, she's been free. Re- yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she's been released. Yeah, that's great. So I would say, in one sense, since my relationship with my mother has been um, from her to me, unconditional love and support from me to her recipient and benign neglect. Ooh. So we're at that age where we just realize what horrible children we are, right? Basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to know I'm not alone. Yeah. You want to talk about she... that anymore? <laughs> thanks. You can lean your seat thanks, back brother. and pull over. <laughs> well, thanks, brother. Oh my goodness, it was a pleasure. Delight, man. I'm a big this... fan. I've, I think I've watched almost every episode. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I maybe missed one or two, but I've, yeah. I've watched almost all of well, them. Well, so. it's thrilling to have you on the show, man. I was yeah. just excited to get Quill's coffee. And it was good, wasn't it? Go it Quills. was delicious. Yes. All right. Thank you. Quill's, future sponsor of CCT. I've tried. Hey, just a final thanks to our episode sponsor, the Center for Hebraic Thought. Just a reminder that if you're a scholar, pastor, or someone who's interested in learning more about biblical literacy and Hebraic thought, you can check them out at www.hebraicthought.org. The CHT provides fantastic resources to help you understand the thought world of the Bible. So subscribe to their podcast and their newsletter today. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. 
Make sure you subscribe to all of our social media and especially our YouTube channel. We also have a Patreon account if you want to support us that way. Thanks again. We'll see you on the road.